Hi, and welcome to the White Hill podcast series. My name is Roger. I'm one of the pastors here at White Hill, and we're glad that you've chosen to listen to one of the podcast messages today. Our prayer is that you would be challenged and inspired to take the next steps in your journey with God as you listen to this message. If you want to keep in touch with more things that are happening at White Hill, head to our website at whitehill.church and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Enjoy this message now. We've got a Bible reading that Francois is going to unpack for us this morning and we're looking forward to that. And it comes from Colossians 2, 6 to 23. So if you have your Bibles there or your, uh, your online uh, Bibles, feel free to open that up this morning. I'll read from verse 6, chapter 2. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthening in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of the world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raises him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that are to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. We look forward to what uh, Francois has on those words this morning. Thank you, Paul. Good morning. 
It's great to be with you, working double shift this morning, but it's a privilege. Are you guys warmed up and ready? I've got my heckler Meryl to the left here, so I'm warmed up. Um, but it's great to be sharing the word with you again today as we journey through the second chapter of Colossians. And it's, it's a beautiful book. Um, Colossians is up to date from whatever angle you are viewing it from. Although it was written nearly 2,000 years ago, its timeless message still speaks to the dilemmas that we are currently facing in our day and age. We are all very aware, and Paul mentioned a couple of dilemmas that we are currently facing in our world, and we are so aware of everything that's going on around us and the crisis of our age. Our age is an age of science. Did you know that 95% of all scientists who ever lived are alive today. Interesting fact. The past century has seen an, a tremendous increase in knowledge and especially in the area of science and technology. From microbiology to astrophysics, millions and millions of pages are published yearly on these things. New discoveries. And it's sometimes difficult for us to keep up with the flood of new discoveries, but I can just imagine all the specialists trying to keep up with everything that's being discovered in their field. And, but this also has an implication when it comes to our spiritual walk and growth in God, because the rapidly advancing pace of scientific discovery also leads to the question of how God relates to the universe and everything that's going on around us. Truth especially religious truth, is viewed as relative. All religious trans, uh, traditions are assumed to be of equal value. And you guys know well that to claim that one religion is exclusively true is regarded as the height of intolerance or bigotry. In such a religious climate as the day and age that we're living in, um, Jesus simply becomes this mere wise man. Nothing more than this great moral teacher on par with maybe Moses or Buddha or Confucius. We also live in an age of pragmatism. People ask questions about religion and philosophy, not necessarily based on if it's true or not, but does it work? That's the big question. They want to know, is this going to make a difference in my life? And therefore, people also ask pragmatic questions about Christianity. They ask questions like, can Christ really change lives? Can he really give peace or joy or happiness? Does knowing Christ give me purpose or give me meaning? Does Christ give hope? Does Christ give purpose to life? And in Colossians, Paul answers some of these questions and we're going to jump into verse 6, where he writes to the Colossae church, and he says, So then, just as you have received Christ our Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. In this verse, we see how Paul guides us in four very basic principles that's going to help us experience the fullness found in Jesus. The first one that we can see there is to live in him. He starts off saying, so then you have received Christ, but then continue to live in him. 
The so then that he starts this verse 6 off with refers to the previous passage where Paul encourages, you know, the Colossians that I'm so glad that you guys have received Christ. I'm so glad that you guys have settled in your convictions about Christ's deity and about Christ's sufficiency and that you are standing firm in your faith. So this is the build-up towards verse 6. And then Paul says, so then, because of this, continue to live in him. Yes, you found Christ, you found his truth, but continue to live in him. This live, another translation refers to it as walk with Christ. It's this daily conduct that we find ourselves in, to live in Christ daily or to walk with Christ daily. And in this context, it primarily, believe, uh, primarily means continuing to believe the truth. To live in Christ means continually believing his truth and not allowing others or our, our Christology or our thinking or knowing the truth of Jesus to waver. Walking with Christ, living in Christ, we're in this union with him and we are called to maintain this lifestyle found in Jesus. We are faced with dilemmas, like we just mentioned, all around us. Dilemmas that sometimes causes us to ask some really hard questions, and we don't necessarily have all the answers when it comes to the things that we face. But our knowing that we can walk in Christ and live in Him, Christ becomes this guideline for us. This example for us, how we should handle situations and how we should handle our dilemmas. When we face those things in our lives, Christ then becomes the answer when we ask, what would Jesus do in this situation? We face dilemmas of unforgiveness, maybe holding grudges against other people that hurt us. Um, The question to ask again, what would Jesus do? We face dilemmas when it comes to fear of the future. Dilemmas of hopelessness or dilemmas of decision makings when it comes to careers or when it comes to, you know, which uni we should go to or business ventures. Our lives are filled with so many complex dilemmas. And sometimes it's tough to find the answers for those dilemmas. But in all these, Paul is encouraging us to walk with Jesus, to live in him and to know him. And to know Christ will help us navigate these decisions that we need to make daily. The second one we see there, so firstly, live your lives in Him. The second one, staying rooted in Christ. First of all, like a tree with deep roots in rich soil, we have been firmly planted and firmly rooted in Christ. This is an eternal planting that took place at the time of our salvation. And Christ then becomes the source of our spiritual nourishment. He becomes the source of our spiritual growth. He becomes the source of our fruit as we walk in Christ. So it's walking in Christ and then staying planted in him as we bear his fruit. Furthermore, we see how Paul encourages us to be built up in him, to be built up in Jesus. This invitation being built up is, a, is, a, is a, in present tense. It's this continuous ac- action, just the same as continually walking with God or living with Christ daily. 
Paul also encourages us to be continually built up by Jesus. Being firmly rooted in Christ and growing in him results in our faith being established. So it's Paul's running through the scripture saying, live your life in Jesus, stay rooted in him so that you can bear spiritual fruit and that he is the source of your spiritual nourishment. Be built up by him. And almost the result of this then is a strengthened faith based on all these things in our lives. Paul is basically saying here, you've got the foundation down, Jesus Christ. You've got the foundation down, but make sure that you continue building on him. It's like a house being built. There's a master plan and there's a journey to get there. Houses look a bit different in Australia though because we have brick walls inside our houses back in South Africa. Over here, the other day I had uh, Craig help me at home because we knocked over a table and there was suddenly there appeared a hole in the wall. So, but we know like with a house being built, there's always a master plan and there's a journey to get there, an end picture and a process to follow. And Paul is saying, if you've got your foundation down, which is Jesus, you will be established in your faith. And God has a specific picture in mind for you. He has a specific picture in mind and he should be the one guiding and building. Has every, anyone ever heard of this building project? Anyone? St. Paul's Cathedral? Did you guys know it took 150 years to build that? I mean, look at these images. Robin, you could just flick through them. It's beautiful. I haven't been there. Has anyone ever been there? We've got a couple. It's beautiful. But the, we can imagine the end result of this took time. It's the same with our lives sometimes. Another dilemma that we very often face is the fact that we are so hurried in life. The dilemma of time. When should we rest? What should we do? What should we you know, take on? We should remember that just as this was a process, our lives are also a process. God has the end result in mind, and that is being transformed into the image of Jesus. And we should rest in that, knowing that when we make God our foundation, and we invite him to do the building work on this foundation of Christ, that one day we will also look like Jesus. Fourthly, we see how Paul ends off the scripture in verse 6, saying, because you then are strengthening your faith, you will be overflowing with thankfulness. This is the only one that's in the active voice. It's this response to the other three. Believers who are in Christ, who are rooted in him and make him the source of their spiritual nourishment, who invite God to build upon that foundation in their lives, will then overflow with gratitude and thankfulness. Praise then completes the circle by which the blessing that we receive from God is almost returned in a way in form of praise and adoration back to God. This natural outflow, the, you know, the, the, the completed cycle. By receiving the truth of God's words, we become strong in our mind and in our, in our understanding. But then living out this faith, we receive the full assurance that God is who he claimed he is and is to be. 
as we live and walk in Him, we grow in Him. And as we grow, we become established in our faith. And the result, a natural outflow of gratitude and thankfulness. That's, it's always amazing to hear people with that thankful heart. Have you ever, you, I mean, you guys are obviously, obviously you, you're the thankful ones. I just know you all. <laughs> you don't have that problem, but other people. How beautiful is it to encounter someone that's just got this thankful heart? And Paul comes here and he says, this is the overflow of all these prior things. Knowing that Jesus is your foundation. Living with him and walking with him daily. Being rooted in him. Him the source of your spiritual fruit. Him who establishes your faith. And then flowing over in thankfulness. But in verse 8, we see that Paul sort of takes a new direction here when this first section was all about you're firm in your foundation. You know, it's great, Colossian church, it's great. But then in the very next verse, in verse eight, it takes a shift and we can read how Paul says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. He shifts his whole dynamic here, and it's this warning. Paul is basically asking this question, guys, are you busy with philosophy or are you busy with Christ? This is the the warning from Paul. The Bible isn't necessarily knocking philosophy here. It's not condemning all philosophical studies, side note. The Bible is simply saying here that however, all philosophy that is not Christ-centered, is hollow and empty and, and deceptive. From the dawn of recorded history of man, it's always been our question, what is our ultimate reality? We've always sought an explanation for the universe around us, and like I mentioned, we're in this age of science and age of pragmatism, and everyone's trying to find out what is the ultimate reality and why are we here? The questions of who am I, why am I here, where am I going, what is up with this whole universe, it's universal for the whole human race. And worldly philosophies ineptly try to answer those questions. But Paul is saying here, listen, philosophy not being Christ-centered can be deceiving and hollow. The word philosophy comes from the two Greek words phileo, which means love, And Sophia, which means wisdom. Philosophy basically means the love of wisdom. And the philosophy of the Colossian false teachers sounded good. Isn't that the case in our day and age as well? Sometimes the philosophies of this world, they sound so great and attractive. Paul warns and he says, they might sound great, but it's a vapid illusion. Paul gives two sources for this hollow and deceptive philosophies in this verse. He says that, firstly, it's beware and it's it's this warning, tradition of men. Just because people have believed something and handed it down over centuries does not make it true. Our truth is found in God's word and in the work that Jesus did for us on the cross that we just celebrated with communion. In our faith journey, it's always good to ask ourselves, am I busy with tradition or Jesus? And 
Again, it's not that tradition is bad. Jesus needs to be the primary focus of our religion and our faith walk. It's good to ask ourselves these questions and maybe just do a temperature check with our own faith journey. Do I just tick the boxes of coming to church and tithing and communion every week and reading a chapter a week to calm the conscience? Or is Jesus the motivation for those things? Am I just going through the motions or is Jesus the main motivation for me celebrating those elements or going through those things? The second one that Paul refers to here is um, human, well, he says the elementary principles of this world. And Paul might be describing this false belief system of the Colossian errorists. He says, it's too simplistic for mature spiritual adults. It doesn't convey any new or profound truths. And fatally at its core, this warning is that salvation is by works. I must do more, then I will be more. And Paul is warning here saying, guys, maintain your faithfulness in both the deity and the sufficiency of Christ. He reminds them that in contrast to the claims of the false teachers, in verse 3, all hidden, uh, that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge. In Christ, we don't need to look somewhere else. Everything we need, all hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge is found in Christ. And Paul comes and this positive teaching is counterbalanced with this negative treatment where Paul tells them exactly what to avoid. Paul, after he asserted their spiritual fullness found in Christ, when he started off with verse 6, goes over and he contrasts this deficiency of philosophy compared to the, the, the deficiency of philosophy compared to the sufficiency of Christ. And Paul calls on the Colossians. He says, be watchful, because danger is near. And the church back then faced this danger, the danger of false teachings. And just in our day and age, we also have these things to worry about. And this warning comes to us as well out of God's word where Paul says, watch out, danger is near. Make sure that you are firmly planted in Christ and that he is your source of spiritual nourishment and that he is the one doing the building work in your life and that he is the one establishing your faith because it's so easy to get sidetracked into other things. And it's interesting that Paul warned the church, but we also see this this is something that happened from Jesus' side as well. In Matthew 7, 15, we read where Jesus says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. In Matthew 16, 6, he warns, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, who were all religious people. And even Jesus says, Watch out. It's important for us to watch out and be aware. Paul specifically warns them to be careful not to be taken captive. Take you captive is derived from the word sulagugeo, which is a rare word, but it basically means being kidnapped or to be carried 
away as spoils of war. And Paul uses this word to describe the false teachers and how with their beautiful looking philosophies can kidnap you. And this is one thing about this. It's not necessarily always intentional that we find ourselves in places like this. Sometimes it's really unintentional and it sort of takes us by surprise. And when we find ourselves, we realize, oh, Christ is not the foundation of my life at the moment. These are areas in my life that aren't necessarily planted in Him. These are areas in my life where I'm not necessarily bearing the fruits of God and Jesus in my life. And Paul uses this word to describe this empty deception. But the next part of it is one of the most blessed scriptures in this, well, blessed passages in the scripture where Paul comes and he presents the glorious majesty of of Christ's sufficiency, his complete work, that Christ is enough. I'm going to say that again because we need to hear this more. Christ is enough. Can we say it together? Christ is enough. Verse 9 is perhaps the most definitive statement of Christ's deity It's this rock upon all the attempts that try to disprove Christ's sufficiency are really shattered. Colossians 2 verse 8 goes on saying, rather than on Christ, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. All the fullness of God lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. I don't want you to miss this because this is amazing. In Christ... We have been brought to fullness. Not partial fullness, fullness. In Christ alone, all the fullness of God dwells. And if we are in Christ, we have been brought into this fullness. This is good news. Are you happy about good news? The Colossian false teachers also taught a form of philosophic dualism, believing that spirit is good and matter was evil. It was an agnostic teaching. And it was unthinkable to them that God would take on a human body, which was in their eyes evil. Paul counters this false doctrine by emphasizing that the fullness of God dwelt in Christ in bodily form. The one who took upon himself human nature at Bethlehem will keep humanity for all eternity. Will keep that humanity for all eternity. He will forever be God and man because Christ is who he is. And we have been made complete in him. His fullness has been imparted in us. And at salvation, we became partakers of this divine nature. In 2 Peter 1, we read this. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, we might participate. These are loaded words. We are to participate in his divine nature. Having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. We are made complete. We are made spiritually complete with our fellowship 
to God and with God. We are made morally complete in that we recognize God's authority and God's will. But then we are also mentally complete because we know the truth of ultimate reality. It is found in God. To maintain like the Colossian errors that, that those who were made complete in Christ still lacked anything is absurd. Those who are partakers in his nature have been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. God's work on the cross was complete. His fullness poured into our lives as we participate in his divine nature. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 also tells us, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Let's just read this again. His divine power has given us everything. This is powerful. Everything we need is found in Christ. Through the knowledge of him, who called us by his own glory and goodness. All true believers are complete in Christ. And just as Jesus has made people, we, we, we know Jesus' story of his, his ministry on earth, where he healed a lot of people physically, and he did complete healings. But this also illustrates the fact that Jesus also brings complete healing for us when it comes to our salvation. Just as Jesus made people completely well when he healed them physically, he also provided complete salvation, and he still does when he heals spiritually. Complete salvation when he heals spiritually. The salvation that we receive from Christ is not something that needs to be supplemented by false human philosophy or um, by mysticism or self-denial, no, not even by any other human work. In Christ, we have been made complete, and this is the key word. We have been made complete, but what does this mean? Nothing we could do could make God look at us differently. God looks at us through the lens of Jesus and the work that Jesus had done. And God sees us as perfect and righteous and clean. And when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, that's exactly what happens. He becomes a new creature. The old things has passed away and behold, the new things have come. We read that in 2 Corinthians 5. The old, the, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. And Galatians 6.15 also explains it well, saying neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation in Christ. Paul in his letter to the Colossians, he's trying to clear some theology or theologically murky waters. That Jesus was not simply a teacher, or a good man, or a wise man, or a philosopher. No, Jesus was much more than that. 
when we look at Jesus, we see the character and the divinity of God. And when we look at Jesus, we see the earthly expression of God. And Paul makes this statement that because we are in Christ, we have been brought into fullness. Not partial fullness, complete fullness. We share in His divinity. And because we live in His fullness, we can be assured that He can change lives. When I started off with my introduction, where we're all living in this age of science and pragmatism, people are asking these questions. Why am, I, why am I here? What's the purpose? Where does God fit into all of this? What is truth? And we can answer those questions saying, truth is Jesus. He is the source of peace. He is the source of joy and happiness. He gives meaning. He gives hope. He gives purpose to life. And we are found in His fullness. We are dead in our sins because we have been made alive in God. The big question that Paul is asking the Colossae church is, are you looking at Jesus? Or are you looking at His shadows? Like I mentioned, it's so easily to unintentionally fall into this pit where we look at the shadows of Jesus and we miss Jesus right in front of us. We miss what he's got in mind for our lives. We miss that he's busy building us up and establishing our faith and he's got this master plan in mind for our lives. So many times we find ourselves unintentionally adding to this master plan and losing focus to what God wants to do in our lives. What does living in Christ's fullness mean for us? It means not looking at the shadows, but turning our eyes to Jesus. And we see how Paul ends up in this chapter by pointing out that fullness is found in Christ in verse 16. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. But the reality, however, is found in Christ. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And we can so easily become caught up in traditions and rituals, and those things aren't necessarily bad. But if that keeps your eyes in the shadows, it might be time to revisit those things and maybe hear the, Paul, the warning from Paul saying, watch out. Watch out. Keep Jesus. The, make Jesus the focus. Keep Jesus at the center of your life. Today with advanced media capability and the onslaught of teachings in our lives and false teachings in our lives, on every side, the sufficiency of Christ is openly or implicably denied. But Paul's point is simple throughout this passage. True spirituality doesn't consist merely of keeping a lot of external rules, not by our own works or 
own smart, clever ideas. No. True spirituality is having an inner relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not going to church or keeping rules or holding some traditions. And like I mentioned, those things aren't necessarily bad, but it's not the focus. They should point to Jesus. Those things should point to Jesus. And we must hold fast to Christ in whom we have been made complete. In verse 10, when, it, when Paul says, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. The death of Christ brings transformation brings pardon, brings victory, complete victory. And that adds up to the complete salvation with complete forgiveness and complete triumph. No wonder Paul said in Galatians 6.14 that may it never be I that should boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The invitation from Paul remains. Verse six, just as you have received Christ as Lord, this is the invitation. Continue to live your life in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. Strengthened in your faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. I wanna ask you for a second just to close your eyes as we reflect on these words. This positive encouragement from Paul to the church, but also this warning. And maybe this morning it's time for you to just do a temperature check on your own journey. Maybe it's time for you to recommit to put your faith in Jesus. Maybe to commit, maybe you realized I haven't been walking with Christ the last couple of weeks or months or days. Maybe there's some areas in my life that aren't planted in Christ. Maybe it's my relationships. Maybe it's my finances. Maybe it's the way my worldview. Maybe it's the way I treat other people. Some of the areas in my life aren't showing the fruit that's found in Christ. Maybe you're feeling dull and empty and just undernourished. The invitation this morning is come to the source, Jesus, who is not empty, but who is filled with the deity and sufficiency of God. Come to the source to allow Him to build you up and establish your faith to overflow with goodness and thankfulness. If you're at any one of these places this morning, just in your heart, I wanna encourage you to, to commit today. Maybe you aren't even on the journey. Maybe you don't have the foundation of Jesus down yet. Maybe it's time, to, if you're feeling the Holy Spirit draw you in to commit and say, Jesus, I wanna accept you as the foundation of my life. But maybe you're past that and you're on the journey and you got stuck somewhere. The, the invitation again is to live in Jesus, to build your life or to have him build you up. 
And I want to read Ephesians 3, verse 16 as a, as a prayer to you this morning, as our eyes are closed. I pray that out of His glorious riches, that He will strengthen you with power through His Spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with with all His people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Jesus Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And Lord, today as we bow our heads and read your word, thank you for the words that you have given us. Lord, today we want to recommit and realign our hearts. We want to turn our eyes back on you. And Lord, we pray that you will help us to do that through your spirit. Lord, I want to pray for people that are here this morning that maybe have not made the decision yet to to call you into their lives and to make you their foundation. That you will draw them in and that you will lead them to a commitment and a decision to do that. Furthermore, Lord, I pray for people that are on this journey and have made you the foundation of their lives, that you will guide us and lead us to live with you, to walk with you daily, that we will allow you, Lord, to build us up and that you will establish our faith. We pray, Lord, that we will recommit to be rooted in you, that you are the source of our spiritual nourishment and that we may bear the fruit of that in our lives. And help us to be thankful, Lord. We've got a lot to be thankful for. We have been blessed with the fullness of Christ in our lives. And the natural reaction, Lord, is just overflowing with thankfulness through how we live our lives and how we speak of your love. Thank you for your love, Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you live locally here in the Ipswich region, we would love to invite you to come and join us in person uh, here at one of our Sunday gatherings at Whitehill. Uh, For more information on our services or our ministries, head on over to our website at whitehill.church. If you're interested also in taking next steps in your relationship with Jesus, please also at our website, hit the connect button And let us know where you're at. We would love to catch up with you either over a coffee or on a phone call to chat with you about where you're at. We hope you've enjoyed watching this message and we pray that God would continue to bless you as you seek to seek Him in your daily life. God bless.